How's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. So, you know that rumor that if you look closely in the background of Three Men and a Baby, there's a ghost of a dead kid that's in there? I think that was a rumor that was just made up by goth kids to give themselves an excuse to rent Three Men and a Baby. Because even goths know that Steve Gutenberg is fucking delightful. I'm surprised anybody ever noticed that weird image in the background, too. I mean, I had to watch the movie three or four times to even notice that Tom Selleck and Ted Danson were in it. When the goot's on the screen, your eyes are just drawn there. Anyway, let's talk about some Teen Titans for a bit, shall we? Today's synopsis is submitted by Zane Kipfmiller. Hi, Zane. If you get a suntan and your face is all crisp, cover yourself with the gentle synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks, Zane. Appreciate that. Teen Titans number 41, October 1972. What lies in Lichburg Graveyard? Written by Bob Haney, drawn by Art Saff, with inks by Nick Cardi. Teen Titan Roll Call. Mal. Wonder Girl. Robin. Speedy. The Teen Titans mentor, Mr. Jupiter, the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world, has just learned that his Aunt Hattie is on death's door, so he packs up a handful of his favorite Teen Titans and heads back to his ancestral home of Lichburg for the first time in 30 years. Because the roads in Lichburg are in poor repair, they decide to travel in that most reliable of all-terrain vehicles, an old-fashioned horse-drawn hearse. Yeah, I can see how that would be a more reasonable option than your usual means of conveyance, a fucking helicopter. Good call. When they arrive, Mr. J explains that after his parents died when he was a boy, he was raised by his Aunt Hattie, who is now over a hundred years old. Despite the fact that he has apparently not visited her once in over three decades, he has always been grateful, loves her very much, and is very matter-of-factly distraught at the prospect of her impending death. He takes the teen crime fighters into Hattie's room so they can watch the dying centurion sleep. Because that's not creepy. Speaking of creepy, the Titans are surprised to find that a slumbering Hattie is clutching a super creepy little straw doll and muttering, Moojum Moojum, in her sleep. You want to know another surprising thing about Aunt Hattie? Turns out she's black. When Mal expresses surprise at Hattie's race, Jupiter tells him he didn't think it was an important detail. Pretty sure Mr. J is trying to score cool points with the team, one, by having a black aunt, and B, by playing it off like it's no big deal. I swear, he comes really close to saying that he never noticed. You know what would have been even cooler, Mr. Jupiter? If you had even once in the last 30 years visited the elderly black woman who raised you. After some prompting, Jupes explains that Hattie is not, in fact, his biological aunt, but that she and her father had been living with the Jupiter family since before the Civil War. The Ken Burns one, not the Captain America one. When Hattie was just a little girl, she and her father were runaway slaves who were pursued to Lichburg from the Antebellum South. Once they got to Lichburg, the Jupiter family helped hide them and have considered them part of the family ever since. Coincidentally, as Jupiter explains this, we see that Hattie herself is having a vivid dream about the events of her early childhood. Her dream recalls how she and her father, Ned Jackson, were chased by a real piece-of-shit slave owner named Captain Barstow, who tracked the two north as they fled, intent on returning them to his plantation and shackles. Fuck that guy. Barstow and his pack of dogs chase Ned onto an ice floe as a tiny Hattie looks on in horror. The terrified toddler recalls in a flashback within a flashback that before they escaped from the plantation, an old shaman who was half Native American gave her a creepy-ass straw toy named a Mujum doll and told her that it would help her if she was ever in trouble. Back in the regular-style flashback, 
we see Hattie entreat the Mujum doll to protect her dad from the douche nozzle Captain Barstow and his hunting dogs. When Hattie wakes up, she shoves the Mujum doll into Mal's hands and insists that he take it as he will need it soon. At Mr. Jupiter's insistence, a freaked out Mal reluctantly accepts the unsettling gift. Moments later, Hattie dies. Later, at her funeral, Mal places the Mujum doll on Hattie's grave, and it is buried with her. Bad move, Mal. Hundred-year-old dying lady gives you a magic doll, you keep that shit. That night, the doll-disposing do-gooder has some trouble sleeping. When he looks out the window, he sees a creepy old dude and his hunting dog stalking across an icy river. Hmm. In the morning, when Mal asks Jupiter about what he saw, Jupiter tells him he was probably just imagining things because he was freaked out by Hattie's dream. So, wait, they could all see her dream? Is that how dreams work? Oh shit, can people see my dreams? Well, guess it's back to wearing a tinfoil hat in my sleep for me. Later that day, Mal is out hiking when once again he sees an ominous figure accompanied by hunting dogs. This time, he can clearly see that it is the ghost of that piece of crap Captain Barstow. More like Crapton Barstow, am I right? Yeah, fuck that guy. The Crapton and his ghost dogs chase Mal back to the house. Jupiter is once again super condescending and basically tells Mal he's just being superstitious and that there are no such thing as ghosts. Seriously? Dude, you fought a ghost like last week. Remember? Scottish dude. He was big on corpse reanimation and salmon malfeasance. If you, like Mr. Jupiter, have trouble remembering these incidents, you can hear all about them in episode 44 of Teen Titan Wasteland, available on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast downloading site you prefer. Teen Titan Wasteland, catch the fever. Mal is justifiably frustrated with the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world's attitude and storms off. That night, Mal has some disturbing dreams about slavery, which I guess presumably all his teammates can see? Or do they have to be in the same room? Still not quite clear on how that dream shit works. When he awakens from his uneasy slumber, he finds a manacle is on his wrist and he is shackled to that shitty-ass ghost that Mr. J doesn't think exists. The ghost of Crapton Barstow calls him by Ned Jackson's name and says that he intends to drag him back to a life of slavery in the South. Oh no! The Titans burst into the room and try to keep the spectral shitheel from pulling Mal out of the window, but even Wonder Girl's Amazonian might proves unequal to the task. Barstow starts towing Mal towards the river. Fortunately, Mr. J is finally on board with the fact that something supernatural might be going on here after all, and uses his heretofore unmentioned sharpshooting skills to shoot the chain that connected Mal to his ghostly captor. Hooray! Seems like that would have been a task better suited to Speedy. Just saying. Mal runs into a nearby shed where he falls through the floor into a hidden tunnel. Hearing the howls of the dogs close at his heels, he flees down the passage. Robin and Jupiter follow him. Jupiter confides to Robin that his skepticism may have been unwarranted. That's awful big of you, Jupes. As the two rush to assist Mal, Robin stumbles over an old box. Naturally, they pause their headlong pursuit to peruse the parcel's contents. Turns out the box belonged to Hattie. There's a picture of her dad in there, and he looks just like Mal. Weird. Then Robin finds her old diary and decides that this is a good time to sit down and read it. Dude, aren't you supposed to be ghostbusting right now? Guess there's never a bad time to read someone else's diary. I mean, it's pretty much the visual equivalent of eavesdropping. And, like eavesdropping usually does, it turns out to be the solution to the Teen Titans conundrum. The diary reveals that when Ned was about to be captured by a shitty old still-alive Crapton Barstow, it was the Mujum doll that rescued him. Robin remembers Mal tossing the creepy doll into Hattie's grave, so it's grave robbing time. After some furious digging, the boy wonder and his secondary billionaire mentor unearth the Mujum doll. Robin holds the creepy toy aloft and orders it to rescue Mal. The doll suddenly becomes animated, grows ten feet, and stalks off in the direction of Mal and Barstow. Well, that was unexpected. 
Just as Barstow is about to catch up to Mal, the now giant Mudrimdal grabs the racist asshole ghost and drags him into the icy depths of the river. Hooray! Oh, and it turns out that the only way to kill a ghost is to replicate the means of his original death. Once you double kill him real good, he will apparently stay dead forever. Good to know. Hooray. Then we get a backup Lilith story. Her Brother's Keeper. Written by Bob Haney, trotted by Bob Brown, with inks by Dave Cockrum. Teen Titan Roll Call. Lilith. Here we get a little bit more of Lilith's backstory as the red-haired psychic continues her cross-country travels in search of her birth parents. Lilith is tooling around on her go-bike when she senses a nearby psychic cry for help. Following the mental signals leads her to a ginger-headed young hippie being accosted by some evil hobos. Lilith intervenes and manages to kung-fu one of the transients, but sees that his rail-riding comrade-in-arms is about to throw a knife at the young man she is trying to save. Oh no! Fortunately, a psychic impulse leads the young victim to duck just in time, and the two teens manage to easily dispatch their malnourished assailants. Hooray. Hmm, a second red-haired teen who seems to have some telepathic powers? Could this be a clue as to Lilith's heritage? Lilith questions the young man and finds that he has even fewer answers than she does, as he is currently suffering from amnesia. He remembers that his name is Ned, but little else. Lilith offers to help Ned, partly out of altruism, but also because anecdotal evidence seems to suggest that they might be siblings. The two teens stumble across a Memorial Day parade, and Ned freaks the fuck out and remembers that he has escaped from a military academy. Then he bonks his head on a tree branch and falls in a river. Lilith drags him out of the river and finds that the water washes away his hair dye and reveals that he's a natural brunette. Did the knock on the noggin also cure his amnesia? No, but it did have one nearly as implausible side effect. It removed his psychic powers. Turns out that like his amnesia, his telepathy was also the result of head trauma. Okay. Lilith figures they probably aren't siblings, but is still resolved to help the recently red-haired lad. Figuring that maybe she can trick his amnesia into letting its guard down, the telepathic teeny bopper hatches a cunning plan. She pretends to die of a rattlesnake bite. Young Ned is so shocked and dismayed that he momentarily forgets to forget who he is. In that instant, Lilith reads his mind and retrieves his address from it. Pretty clever. Also, you know, completely nonsensical, but mostly pretty clever. Lilith drops off Ned at his house. His parents are relieved, and promise not to send him back to military school, and pretty much let him do whatever he wants as long as he never runs away again. Hooray! So I guess the moral here is that if you're a teenager whose parents won't capitulate to your demands, maybe try running away from home. Also, concussions might result in amnesia, but might give you psychic powers, so you might want to try getting hit over the head from time to time. Lilith rides off into the sunset, no closer to finding her birth parents. Well, I guess a tiny bit closer by process of elimination in that she's now pretty sure Ned's folks aren't her parents. So that's two down and the rest of the country's population to go. You know, assuming that they're from America. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. So, what'd you think? I enjoyed this issue. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Both stories? Eh... The second one was a little bit samey same to some of the the previous ones. Really, in terms of the theme, of, and the theme definitely. Yeah, she is straight up littlest hobo. In. Yeah, but there, it, it's not like mommy issue centric as no, some of the no. other ones. But the the first story, I really appreciated that uh, it was very mal centric. We haven't had a lot of those. Yeah, we've had a couple, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's just dive into the first story. I have a couple of questions. 
One, where do you think this story takes place? I mean, it's Lichburg, but, and it's clearly in the north, but near the south. Yep. Where do you think it is? Yeah, I was actually having trouble placing placing that as as well. Like, right. um, maybe like uh, kind of DC area or see. I feel like that would have been part of the South at the time, right? Uh, well, I, the Underground Railroad had to start there too, so I mean, it could have it could have still been. No, actually, it was no, because it was in the North because they were saying that it yeah. was a free state as opposed to a state that endorsed slavery <clears throat> pre Civil War. My guess is Pennsylvania, mm, Delaware. No. <laughs> nothing. First of all, nothing happens in Delaware. Nothing ever has. Well, they make good beer there. Do they? Dogfish head. Eh. Is there. I don't, I don't like that. So, um, yeah, maybe Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking Pennsylvania. First of all, it's spooky, and Pennsylvania sounds like Transylvania. It's a spooky place. It's a spooky place. There's a reference made to Gettysburg, mm-hmm. I think, at one point. I don't know. It's a weird place. But this is where Mr. Jupiter grew up. Mm-hmm. Yep, the old Twin Oaks estate. Yeah. So, okay, here's the next question I got to. Sure. Why are they in a hearse? Why are they in specifically, at the opening of the issue, a horse-drawn, buggy, old-fashioned hearse? I think that's the old uh, Zany Haney action happening. Action vehicle? No, he was like, just like... He, back when like <clears throat> they would be driving around in a thin Lizzie for no bu- no reason? Well, he's I'm like, sorry, Tim Lizzie. They were driving around in a thin Lizzie. <laughs> Boys, back in town. Yeah, uh, I've perhaps had a bit too much whiskey in the jar. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's, he's like, well, it's it, there's a creepy graveyard stuff that's going to happen, so let's um, have him take a hearse. His purported explanation of, oh, the roads flood so easily here, people just take this. Okay. A few things about that. <laughs> because horse-drawn carriages perform way better than four-wheel drive vehicles. When yeah. Are flooded. Okay. Yeah, better than four-wheel drive vehicles. Second of all, even if you're saying that we need a horse-drawn vehicle, if this is a common enough occurrence in this region that they need to use horse-drawn vehicles, you'd think they would have one that wasn't a hearse. Also, dude, your normal means of conveyance is a fucking helicopter. Which? How is that not better over these flooded roads? Yeah, I than a horse-drawn hearse. You're digging too deep, friend. Ah, not as deeply as the Titans had to dig. Oh, ha ha! Oh, Segway, indeed. Oh, maybe they could have taken a Segway. No, they hadn't been invented no for years. Hub. Fine. What do you think <clears throat> of Mal's outfit, dude? I thought Mal's outfit was awesome in this. I thought it was pretty cool. It actually reminded me of, and I think it was coming out at around the same time as this. There was a Frankenstein comic that was coming out over at Marvel where Frankenstein's outfit, he was wearing like a, a furry vest. vest. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, what? were fur vests that big right then? Or is it just for spooky gothic tales that people, somebody needs to be wearing a fur vest? No, maybe that, that was just a, the, a sign of the times. Yeah, just fur vests mm-hmm. all to rage. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't, shit, what was Kid Flash's code name in the hippie episode where Aqualad was wet and wild? It wasn't fur vest. It was feet. Feet, yeah. Your feet. Is it feet. just feet? I think it was just feet. Yeah, he was wearing a fur vest there, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the same vest. 
Baby like, Mal found it and like the old Teen Titans lost and like, found. This is pretty cool. It's like, yeah, I'll wear this shit around. Mm. Okay. Yeah, they've all got really good 70s attire on, but that one really stands out. Yeah. Mr. J's got some pretty sweet lapels on his, I imagine it's suede jacket. Yeah, no, Mr. J has, uh, he, he's dressed pretty snazzily in this. Mm-hmm. He's also a fucking idiot in this. Mm. I am tired of Mr. J's bullshit. Yeah, I can see that. It's difficult for me to say this because I myself am an atheist and a bit of a skeptic. But if you are as skeptical as Mr. Jupiter is in the DC universe, you are a fucking moron. Because crazy shit happens in the DCU. Because, okay, how do you say like, well, there's no such thing as ghosts. You're just being superstitious. When last fucking adventure you fought a ghost. And the one before that, you fought a witch who was possessing one of you. Mm-hmm. And the one before that, you fought the ghost of Romeo and Juliet. I'm mm-hmm. getting the timeline a little bit screwed up, but those are their last, like, three major adventures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fucking ghosts and demons pop up all the goddamn time. And also the fact that... Every issue, you're convinced of their existence, and then you just forget between episodes? Well, not only that, what's worse is, like, he's like, well, Mal's just freaking out because he's black, and there's this whole thing. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's just humor him, but there's totally... Yeah, no, he is so condescending about that. Yeah. And and then once it turns out there is, like, well, we can discuss this later, whether or not there's ghosts, but let's get back to this business. Maybe Mal's right about this. I'm still not willing to say it. I'm like, dude, you are fighting a ghost right now it's ridiculous but that being said how were they able to find out what aunt hattie was thinking in her final moments before her demise Mm, was that the like by exposition and from the diary or no it's before the diary it's it's when Mr. Jupiter's explanation is like, oh, he's probably just freaked out by Aunt Hattie's story that she was thinking in her sleep before she died. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? That was an editorial error. Honestly, there's the same problem in the movie Citizen Kane. Have you seen Citizen Kane? It's been many years. Okay. The whole idea behind the movie is that his final words are Rosebud before he dies. Mm-hmm. And you see he's alone in this sprawling mansion, says the word Rosebud, mm-hmm. drops the snow globe, mm-hmm. it breaks, mm-hmm. and then all the reporters are trying to find out what Rosebud meant. Right. He died alone in his fucking apart in his huge mansion. You pan back to see that he's completely alone at the time. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck heard him say Rosebud? That's a good huge question. fucking plot hole in Citizen Kane that is also a problem here. Okay. Yeah, there's no way that they knew what was up. Yeah, we got a real Citizen Kane on our hands. Unless mm. Mr. Jupiter has psychic powers, too. Which would make a lot of sense. I don't think he's got psychic powers. They, but they I never think it's, it's possible that. that he's got some high-tech widget that maybe talks to the... What's the talks to the Computron? On Hattie's dream? Yeah. Oh, ah, uh, shit. The gargoyle computer. Not the gargoyle. You know, With, uh, the ABC. Brain, brain Jack 2017. Yeah, Brain Jack. <laughs> He's Shit, what was a, that thing called? He's got like an iPod. It's like version. Think Freak. Think Freak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got a little mini Think Freak that helps him. Uh, that helps him read his hundred and hundred some year old aunt's dream brain. Dream brain. Yeah. Dream brain. Mm-hmm. It's a regular brain. It's just dreaming right now. That, I think you're probably right. He probably He probably had something implanted in her head when she was asleep. Yeah, for her own good. For her own good. Think for For her safety. Mm -hmm. To help him hear her thoughts. Yeah. 
That's just, <sighs> that is totally the kind of shit he would do. Yeah. Probably uh, gave her some hallucinogens, too. <laughs> he probably did. I know I want to like Mr. Day. There's a lot about the guy. Like, I like that he dresses up as an old balloon vendor and doses his teenage wards. But despite that, there's something I don't trust about this guy. It's just anybody who's so certain of all their actions being 100% right is a little off-putting to me. And his whole explanation of, like, just like, oh, I didn't think I needed to mention that she was black. Why? Is that important to you guys? You know he was saving that in his fucking quiver the whole goddamn time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, like, oh, this will make me look like a big shot. Like, like I'm super cool. But he is super condescending, and I bet he was equally as condescending to his Aunt Hattie. Yeah, totally. And, and too, he's... At the outset, he's like, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's. I know it's hard for you guys to believe. I wasn't always the authority figure you see now. I was once a boy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never... I don't know if you'll believe this of me, but one time, I was a baby. Mm-hmm. I don't think it lasted very long. I don't remember it, so therefore it probably didn't last very long. But I'm told I was a child once. Yeah. But we do find a little bit out about his background. He was raised by Aunt Hattie. His parents died tragically when he was young. Mm-hmm. We don't know how. Mm-hmm. Maybe he killed them. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, For their own good. It's a little... <laughs> <laughs> That's a stretch. Yeah. Mal does raise the point that he's like, when he first encounters the, the ghost slave hunter <clears throat> who's out to get him because he looks exactly like... Mal. No, well, Mal does look exactly like Mal. No, you're, you're the, totally the right. Hattie's because Mal looks exactly like Hottie. Hotties? <laughs> She's not really a hottie, at least not at this point. We don't know how she looked. Maybe eighty in her years teenage ago. Years. Yeah, maybe in her. Yeah, maybe about eighty years ago. She's in her mid twenties. Probably a pretty good looking lady. Mm-hmm. But but Aunt Hattie's dad mm-hmm. apparently looks just like Mal. Spitting image. There is one panel in which Mal has uh, piercing blue eyes. <laughs> Which was, he was really freaked out, and I know that, like... Well, he had probably gotten into the spice at that point. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Well, the spice went slow. Yeah, yeah. uh, 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 I don't know if you know this about Mal, but uh, Mm. his name is a killing word. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it's Maldeeb. It's Uh his Okay. (laughs) Maldeeb Duncan. Okay, okay. It's like not the desert mouse, but some other kind of mouse. Yeah, it's, it's the city. The pole vaulting mouse. <laughs> the pole vaulting mouse, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Maldive, the okay. pole vaulting mouse. Maldive. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the way that they dispose of the ghost, and I don't mean having the Mujum. Is it Mujum? I was calling it Mujum. The Mujum doll, mm-hmm. which is the, the straw doll that Aunt Hattie gives Mal. That'd be very... It's like, oh, thanks. Uh, and then throws it onto the grave as they bury her. That was actually... Which I don't know if that was like a tribute. He's like, you should have this back. You gave this to me when you were dying. You're probably senile. And it kind of freaks me out. Or if it was just like, I don't fucking want this thing. Oh, I think it was both. It was yeah. like a, a moment of opportunity to get... Because actually, I, I recorded a, a bit of the dialogue when she hands him the doll. He was, yeah. No, I liked that too. We can definitely talk about that at the time. But there's a bit of lore. The uh, the, the Mujum doll that helps Mal, it grows to be 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then strangles the ghost and drags him under the water. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I don't care. You can't kill me. I'm an immortal spirit. Can't kill a ghost. Only you can kill a ghost. How do you kill a ghost, Corey? 
Oh, well, little known fact, you mm -hmm. kill a ghost by killing the ghost in the same way that the person that became the ghost was killed. Right, so you just have to double kill them. Yeah, exactly. Now, how specific that has to be, I'm not sure, like... Um, and does it have to be a Mujum doll that drags him under the frozen ice? Does it have to be the same river that Ahab Barstow drowned in? Right. Or is it just a thing where, like, ah, he died by gunshot wound, so I can shoot this guy, exactly. and then he'll be dead. Yeah. If it is that, then Mr. Jupiter would be in no problem, because that man is a crack shot with a shotgun. He sure is. That He severs the chain on the, the manacle that yeah. Mal was imprisoned by. This is another event in a series of events that really seems to be devaluing Speedy's contribution to the team. Absolutely. He could have done so much. Well, yeah. he could have done the same thing, but apparently everybody in the DC Universe is as good an archer, or as, as good a shot as Speedy is, and probably better. Like, the last time Speedy, and not the last time, he's done a few, but one of the most recent significant shots that Speedy took, he missed and accidentally killed the hunchback dude. Mm -hmm. Well, granted, this time it was... In Italy. Uh, this time it's he's using a shotgun, but we saw canonically that when they were traveling back through time, Kid Flash is a better archer than Speedy and has super speed. That was weird, though. Yeah. Oh, that it was totally was that, weird. That was great. That was great. I think, though, that uh, Speedy... I, I did like the moment of, like, a sort of conscientious objection he has, like, even though he, he has to shoot the ghost dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I liked that, too. He's like, I don't normally shoot dogs, but oh well. <laughs> but they're ghosts, so I guess it's chill. Yeah, and I think that he would have hit them if he had been smart enough to pack some fireproof arrows. So that's another thing, if you're shooting an arrow at a ghost dog, mm -hmm. can't... Not at ghost, not at ghost dog. Not, not, no, not like Forrest Whitaker ghost dog, but right. like just a, a dog like a dog who is a ghost <laughs> yeah or, or a ghost who is a dog yeah like a hellhound right regular arrows will just burst into flame so you need some like uh flame yeah. retarded arrows to retardant <laughs> i didn't say that right they're not no you didn't <laughs> whoops yep you know what i mean i do um yeah no he he didn't pack the right arrows and i think he is probably in the throes of his heroin addiction right now well, he's looking pretty good, then, all things considered. Yeah, no, he's holding his shit together well. He doesn't get the nods or anything. Mm -hmm. um, he, he doesn't uh, ask <laughs> for another bowl of ketchup, thinking that it's soup. Oh, jeez. <laughs> a bar that I used to work at had a employee, I suppose, who lived in the basement of said bar and uh. would do janitorial services. And when I was opening the bar one day, he, he I'm sorry, was a heroin addict. And when he was opening, I, w I was opening the bar one day, and he had been there for a little bit, and been doing the janitor business, and he asked me, so, um, Hub, what is it that you, you add to the, um, the soup to make it so, so good? Because I, I took, I, I finished off the soup that was in the green pitcher, and then when I, I opened up the other soup and put it in, it, it didn't look the same. And I was like, dude, the green pitcher is where we keep the ketchup. And he's like, oh, the, he had eaten a oh, big God. bowl of ketchup, That's so um, gross. heated it up and thought that it was delicious, <laughs> delicious soup. Oh, no. And this is the thing. Before he went back to go back to sleep in the basement, he had he, he was an interesting fella. He was uh, writing a novel about uh, Nazi werewolves in World War Two at the oh, time. And okay. he'd been doing some research about that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he left his notebook and 
stack of research books on the bar when he went downstairs. So I set them aside to, to bring down to him later. And he left a post-it note on top of it that said, Ask Hub about soup. <laughs> I kept that post-it note for a while. This is like, oh, dude, that's his talking points for the day. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you make this soup so good? Uh, yeah, it's ketchup. I guess my point is, Speedy isn't eating big bowls of ketchup right now. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. he's doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. But, yeah, he really, his position within the team seems to be continually being undercut by making everybody else as good a shot as he is. Yep. Including Mr. Jupiter. Which, he does an amazing shot where he, he uses a shotgun, not an arrow, but he, he shoots the the chain off of Mal's wrist as he's being drug around by this ghost Yep, that he had previously thought didn't exist. There's <sighs> a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, that Mujum doll's creepy. I thought so. Yeah. Is that a thing? Did you have a I chance have no to idea. look that up? I didn't either. I, I Yeah, I don't know to what extent that's a thing. Um, it's it- really difficult to tell with Bob Haney because sometimes there will be a kernel of research that he has done and by research i think i just mean something that he had overheard at -hmm. some point he saw something one time yeah and sometimes it is completely made up whole cloth which is one of the things i really love about haney yeah he does it with authority he does Uh, your your dad jim has a phrase that i like very much which he is certainly applicable to him but i think applies to mr haney as well which is often wrong but never in doubt yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm and similar to Mr. Haney, he, um, I imagine Haney's the same way that uh, if anybody asks him a question, he would find it very difficult not to answer said question. At length. Yeah. Regardless of whether he has any information on the subject or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think they would be good pals. I think so, too. I wish we could set up a play date for them. I, th- I think <laughs> Mr. Haney is past. But... Oh, shame. Yeah, really is. So... You wanna? Was there anything else about this story you want to talk up before we get to the minutia about it, or should we move on to the Lilith? Just that the I, I really liked the art in this one. And the was, art's was... really good. It's once again it's it's the the team of Art Saff and Nick Cardi, mm. and it works really well, especially with the gothic horror style that mm-hmm. the Titans seem to be going in mm-hmm. at this point. The the cover is really creepy too. It's super creepy. They're they're digging in a graveyard and they're digging up a giant version of the Mujum doll, mm-hmm. which it does grow to that size, but it it's really creepy looking. It's weird that uh, Flasher is on the cover there because he's not in the. Isn't he? No, because uh, at the beginning they comment like when they show up at Mister Jupiter's childhood home. No, that you're it's, right. It's a shame that Lilith and Flash aren't there because they're super into old houses. And that made me think, like, <laughs> I wonder if, like me, they only had public television, so, like, they grew up watching, watching this old this house. Watching this old house with yeah. Bob Vila and uh. Norm Abrams, Lee Carpenter. <laughs> Do you think they watched Yankee Workshop, too? Oh, probably. That's a good show. I don't know. Was that on since the... this? No. no it probably came on no. the late, late 70s. This old house might have been on then. Yeah, that was on. There's no way that we can find that information out. Yeah, too bad. There's Bummer. No... We just have to assume that this old house was on at the time. Mm -hmm. A very young Bob Vila. Maybe even... Oh, man. No beard? Oh, God. Short beard? That would be creepy. It was the 70s. He probably had a beard. Maybe. I saw pictures of Jim Henson with no beard recently. I was reading a biography of him. Yeah, weird. He's a good-looking guy. Really? I mean, he's a good-looking guy with a beard, too, but it was... uh, it was it was disconcerting a little bit. I think when you're used to seeing people with a beard and then they don't have one, their faces look pointy. 
A little bit. You know who is a good-looking guy? Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Beardless Sam Elliott. Beardless Sam Elliott. Mm. You know Sam Elliott. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, you picked a tough road to hoe. Yep. He yeah. does have that, that uh, unique... Cadence. Yeah. Yeah. In the 70s, he was kind of like a matinee idol-looking guy, and he was in a mm. really bad horror movie called Frogs that was about frogs taken nope. over a pond. Don't. Well, um, don't like it. It it does it's not real. I just I just don't like the idea of that. No, I don't like it. I don't like horror movies. We've been over this. You liked horror movies a lot for a while. Oh, I sure did. Yeah, do you still? Mm, not really. Yeah, for me it's there's one of two possible outcomes with a horror movie. Either it is well done and effective, in which case I will be scared. Mm-hmm. And I do not like that. Mm. Or it is poorly done, and it is not effective, in which case I am bored. Mm-hmm. So, going to a horror movie really has no positive outcome at all for me. Yeah, I watched one recently based on someone's recommendation that was the Babadook. Have you seen that? Oh, no. I thought it was the Marmaduke. Oh, and no. that was scary enough for me. I could have used a Marmaduke after that. That guy like... thinks he's people. Oh, jeez. He's ridiculous. Yeah, creepy movie. Corey, that is a very big dog. The guy, I forget his name, that cartoonist, he had Great Danes. That's where... Uh, Did he? Yeah, that's where the he got the idea. His, his, his it, dog you can't make that stuff up. Nope. Some dogs are very big. I once had somebody say to me, who's walking who? When I had oh, just God. gotten my dog from the pound and he was all crazy and like didn't walk good on a leash. Didn't walk. I hadn't trained him. And Corey, I gotta ask you, though. Hmm. Who was walking who? Uh, I did turn it around. But okay. yeah, he was kind of dragging me down the street. Fair enough. The Babadook? Oh, creepy as shit. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I believe it. I'm I just not stop in the middle it. and like go like uh, do chores, like do dishes and stuff. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think lights. my wife Lisa might have recommended that to you. She she really likes the horror movies. I I don't get it. Ugh. It's no. You know what I did watch that was a horror movie that was pretty good the other day. Um, Ghoulies. Close. Goosebumps, the new movie. Pretty good. Oh, I didn't know they made. I actually really enjoyed it. it. Jack Black played R.L. Stein, and it was a delight. He does, I, good, he does a good job. He, he does sometimes. He definitely had a slump, but honestly, the, the movie didn't do very well uh, in, in terms of financially, but I thought it was a real treat. Mm-hmm. So, all you guys out there in Listen Land, do yourself a favor. If you're looking for a horror movie for children <laughs> that I will not find scary, why don't you check out Goosebumps? It's pretty good. The lady who played uh, McNulty's girlfriend in The Wire is in it. Ah. She plays the mom. She does a good job. Mm. That was a good show. Yeah, that was a really good show. Probably a better choice than the first Omen movie, Damien Omen. Oh, that's a scary movie. Oh, sat when I was a little kid. Oh, that's, that was a that's terrible scary. idea. Yeah. I think we kind of got off topic. Did we? Well, it is a creepy issue. Yeah. I think we were setting the tone. Anyway. <laughs> what do you think of the Lilith story? I feel bad for her. Like, she has this one purpose... Which is to just basically find her parents. Yeah, but the way she's going about it is the most fucking random multi-ball style thing ever. For a totally psychic person who knows in which town you're from. Yeah. just Her plan is to ride her motorcycle around the country and pretty much just hope she runs into her mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a good plan. It isn't a good plan, but it is kind of a good setup for a series of small adventures. Like, I mentioned earlier that her... She ends up being kind of like the littlest hobo. Yep. Or, should I say, 
the Lilithist hobo. Oh, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I will. Okay. The Lilithist hobo. <laughs> Um, and she just kind of travels from town to town uh, and runs into trouble, solves it, and then realizes that her quest doesn't end there and takes off again. Mm -hmm. And I kind of love it. This story in particular, I really did enjoy, actually. This has, it works in a couple of my favorite tropes. So just very, very brief summation. I know I did this in the synopsis as well, but Wolf heads out on her go bike, runs into a red-haired dude who seems to be psychic. He's about to get mugged by some hobos. Yep. He dodges a knife in time. Yep. So she's like, oh, he must have psychic powers. And he does have psychic powers. He called powers. out psychically to her uh-huh. for help. That's Right. And then was able to dodge a knife. And he's got red hair like she does. So she's thinking, oh, shit, this is probably my brother. Or, or all red-haired people have freakish supernatural powers. Hmm. That's the other option, mm -hmm. which may be the case, mm -hmm. because it seems that everybody she runs into with red hair is also at least quasi psychic or pretending to be. Yeah, I think I think the mom from the carnival was maybe a little bit psychic, but not as good at it as she was. Mm. Or maybe she was just a no. carny psychic. She wasn't really. Yeah, OK, no. OK. Trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Don't want to speak ill of the dead. But yeah, so she runs into this kid and he's like, oh, here's the bummer part. And she's like, hey, who are your folks? And she doesn't tell him that, like, because mm -hmm. maybe they're my folks. And uh, uh. Mm -hmm. and he's like, I don't know. I have amnesia. And she's like, shitty. And because he has amnesia, she his thoughts are protected and she can't read his brain and find out who his folks are. Yeah. So they bum around a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then he sees a military parade. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I used to be in a military academy and I hated it. Uh-huh. That was the big building. And oh. Not the orphanage you thought. It was lame. It boo. Was. Boo. And she's like, oh, okay. This is seeming less like he's my brother because he's not from an orphanage. Yeah. And then it jogs his memory further and she and he falls in a river or some shit. Yeah, he falls. Uh, he just randomly like falls off the back of the moped into down a, a river. Cliff into a river. <laughs> She's like, "Look out!" He's like, "Dude, Ow. that kid's got a lot of amnesia in store for himself if he's that clumsy." Yeah, and so <laughs> the river washes away his hair dye, and it turns out that he had dyed his hair red because he was on the run from the military academy, which he ran away from. Yep. And so she's like, "Shit, this guy probably isn't my brother." Mm-hmm. But he does still have amnesia because he got hit on the head. But. But. Also lacking his psychic powers because he got hit on the head again. Yeah, he gets hit on the head again, which it's like an takes on, away his psychic It's like an on-off switch. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, th this cropped up in, have you seen the movie Johnny Dangerously recently? If by recently you mean within the last 15 years, probably no. Oh, okay. Uh, I did mean that. And there's a there's a scene where the news vendor who's blind gets hit on the head and then he gets his vision back mm -hmm. and then he gets hit on the head again and then he can't hear mm -hmm. and then he gets hit on the head again and he can hear and see. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of one of those head injuries are a magical thing in the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and in life. And in life. It's uh, I know there was a Tarzan novel, uh, Tarzan and his adventures among the Ant-Men. Um, he gets hit on the special part of the brain that makes you shrink down to the size of an ant. Whoa. So I hope that does not happen to me. Yeah, me too. This kid should thank his lucky stars that he didn't get hit on that part of the brain, or he could have found himself a 
amnesiac ginger-haired Ant-Man. Washed down a river. Washed down a river. Oof. Boy. What a stinky predicament. Indeed. But he's in slightly better shape. Loth fishes him out of the river. Yep. Pretends to be killed by a snake. Mm-hmm. In order to jar him. Yeah, good trick. Out of <laughs> good trick. his amnesia. Yeah. Which doesn't jar him out of his amnesia, but it does make his amnesia look the other way for a second so that she can slip into his mind and read his mind. Yeah. And then she, she's able to figure out where his parents are. She brings him home and he doesn't have amnesia anymore. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. And his parents are then just like totally stoked and be like, we're so sorry we sent you to military academy. You can be a fuck up and do drugs again. Mm -hmm. You can go do your own thing. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want, buddy. Yeah. Dude, running away seems fucking sweet. Yeah. Solves all your problems. Yeah, basically do that. Come back. We saw that again in the San Francisco yeah. issue. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Teenage kids, if you're having problems with your parents, do yourself a favor. Run away from home. Become a hippie. Well. And they will love you so much and let you do whatever the fuck you want. I don't know. I think the caveat is you need a teen titan to bring you home. Well, in a perfect world, but that's probably going to happen if you head out on the road. Mm. Well, some hobos are going to try to take your money. Yeah. Watch Evil out. hobos. Yeah, watch out. Oh, man. Yeah. Hobos are the worst. Because they know those hippie kids are flush with cash from yeah, their parents. Yeah, man, from their parents who love them. Yeah. Like babies. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just marry your parents, hippie? Oh, my gosh. Those hobos were jerks. Yeah. So, uh, starting with the first story, I suppose. Sure. What was your favorite slang? Man, it's pretty much all exclusively Mal and... I've got a bunch of stuff written down that, and it's, I don't know if I can pick out a favorite, but let's start with on um, on page eight where Mal's understandably pretty pissed off at Mr. J for thinking that he's just being Okay, being I weird. have that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says, don't believe me, man. Scratch a white honky soul and you always find the same attitude. Quote, black folks is just superstitious children, boss. I had that too, but I am kind of confused by it. And there's also... Who is the boss in this sentence? Mr. J. Right, but no, it's in quotes. It's like a sarcastic... So who's saying that in the quotes? Because, okay, don't believe me? Man, scratch a white honky soul and you always find the same attitude. And then it's in quotes, like, this is what the white honky who's you just scratched is saying. Black folks is just superstitious children, boss. That is confusing. It's weird. Yeah, I read it thinking like he was like... Making it like something that... But that doesn't make say, sense. But it doesn't it, make it's, sense. That's, he's saying that Mr. Jupiter is thinking the phrase, black folks is just superstitious children, boss. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's Mr. Is J he, is referring is to he himself Mr. as Mr. Jupiter's boss? boss? Oh, like when... Because he's like he's Mr. So Jupiter great. just talks to himself yeah. all yeah, the time and boss. calls himself boss. Yeah. Like, you're doing good, boss. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I, I think, think that's, that's the, the only... Frame of reference that that makes sense in yeah. is if Mr. J is talking to himself and calling himself boss. And Mal has figured this out. Yeah. Good yeah. job, Mal. And uh, there's also another gem, too, that's associated with, I think, that same conversation where, where Mal's upset about, uh, what does he say? Uh, about, about uh, I think, Mr. J giving him a little head therapy. Oh, yeah. Which is. Yeah, he's like, I know, I know. Humor the black kid. Give him a little head therapy. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah that's 
Well, I don't buy it. I heard those chains rattling. Okay, I had that. I also had on the previous page, page seven, Mal first encounters the the slave hunter ghost. That freaky bozo? Yeah. <laughs> what? That freaky bozo? Him and his hounds again? Uh, yeah. That cracked. That is I, pretty great. I had that written down as well. What else did you have? See, I also have at the at the very outset on page four when when um Hattie is trying to give him the doll and he's just <laughs> yeah, like out loud he says she's trying to give me the doll I don't dig or maybe it's a thought I, I can't remember no I, he he says it aloud and it's Mister Jupiter actually it's like be cool man take the doll it's... Aunt Hattie wakes up and says Moojum Moojum you will need it child. He's like, and Mal ah. just goes, she's awake. She's trying to give me the doll. I don't dig. <laughs> and Mr. Response. Jupiter says, take it, Mal. <laughs> Which is creepy. Like, a creepy thing to say. It's, it, regardless of context. But it's nice because it's possible that Mal is saying he doesn't understand by mm-hmm. saying, I don't dig. Mm-hmm. But it really more seems like he's just like, I don't like this. No, I do with you. I do not dig. I do not dig. Please do not shove this creepy straw doll in my face and shout Mooja Mooja at me. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't no, dig. thank you, Aunt Hattie. I, I would not dig it either. No. What else did you have? And it, well, it precedes the one on page seven where he's talking about the freaky bozo, and it's the the first time he sees Ahab. Okay, so yeah, when he says freaky bozo, it's the second time he's encountered Ahab. Yeah, on page six, he refers to him as what's that? He's like, he's like, what is that? A freaky dude and some nasty hounds. Listen to him, owl. That really does get back to though, just Mister Jupiter's skepticism in the face of overwhelming evidence. Mm-hmm. They introduced a thing later on where. There's a character named Mr. Terrific, who's, like, super great at everything. Sounds like um, a wrestler name. Yeah, that would be good. There's Mr. Perfect. Okay, that that might a, be who you're thinking, thinking of. of. But Mr. Terrific, he has fair play written on the sleeve of his jacket and stuff. He's oh. a, a legacy hero, which means he was originally a hero in the golden age of comics in the 40s, and then they brought him back. A new character who carries on the legacy of Mr. Terrific. Mm. But he makes a big point of being a atheist. Which puts him at odds with many other characters in the Justice Society. Mm. And he's like, top top five smartest people in the world, too. That's wicked smart. It is wicked smart. And it's really dumb to be an atheist in the DC Universe. Because the guy served on a team with an archangel from heaven. Like, he has seen firsthand, he has been literally to hell. And to the gates of heaven... And doesn't believe that there's any such thing as magic or gods. Which, at that point, is just stupid. Mm. If you have seen first-hand evidence of something and you still disbelieve it... it, That I agree with, but it's not like... You could still have hell uh, as a place or around a plane of existence or whatever it is or a dimension without there necessarily being a, a devil to go with it or a god that's opposing that devil. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's met both those dudes, so. Oh, Satan and... and yeah, I might, I might be off about that, but he's definitely been like best pals with an angel There certainly are tells him yeah. about... Like, yeah, man, I'm part of the host of heaven. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, there's no such thing as that. I'm like, yeah, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, there are definitely gods in the DCU. Yeah, and that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying across the board. Because I I myself am a third-generation atheist. But within this realm, you need to drop some of the skepticism. Because when you are faced with daily incontrovertible evidence of the supernatural, you need to accept that there is the supernatural. So if he's the fifth smartest guy and he's not doing that, that doesn't speak well for the rest of humanity. No. Man, that's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, you know how uh, you know how stupid the average person is, right? Well, by definition, half of them are dumber than that. Whoa. Yeah. So, okay, in the Lilith story, did you have favorite dialogue for that? It wasn't dialogue, but it was uh, the setting, the scene uh, at the opening panel. And there was a line about something, was it the grass or something, being uh, dank with the dew of night. Yeah, a uh, slim figure moves an out-of-gas motor scooter along a road dank with the dew of night. Yeah, gave it a good evocative feel. Okay, my favorite dialogue from that is, it's also in the setup, and I would like to point out, too, I thought the artwork was beautiful in this. Yeah, this the backup good. story. Mm-hmm. It's uh, by Bob Brown and Dave Cockrum. Dave Cockrum, of course, of uh, Bronze Age X-Men fame. Mm-hmm. One of the best costume designers in the business, and just gorgeous stuff, and he's really hitting his stride right around this time as comes out about i think three years before the giant size x-men relaunch where he really mm. made a name for himself but it's nice stuff my favorite dialogue is one of the hobos who's <laughs> well both of the hobos really the evil hobos who are threatening him with sticks with nails in them mm. one says okay kid we'll take your chow and your gear and the other one says yeah and your money these hippie hobos usually got plenty they're ever loving family send them I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fun. Yep. That's I, I like anytime anybody uses the phrase ever loving, it reminds me of the thing from uh the Fantastic Four. Yeah, so these guys may be part of the Yancey Street gang. I don't know for sure. You have a favorite panel from the Lilla story? Yeah, I had a a couple that stood out. Um mm-hmm. one is it's on page six and it's and it's a panel where Lilith and Ned, um, I think after he's lost his hair color, are kinda just like a face to face. Yeah, just kinda Looking in each other's eyes. Yeah, just like it's like... Like forehead to forehead, really. Having this really kind of deep moment. And yeah. It's, it's, What's it's nice like, is it's able to really convey that there is not anything romantic happening between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard to do when you have, like, guys pressing their foreheads against each other and gazing in each other's eyes. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's subtly drawn, but it's really nicely done. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I the other one I had is page seven, which I referred to as Lilith Trick. <laughs> and she's explaining that um, she fooled him into thinking she was dead. Yeah, when he does out. the double take and says, Lilith, you're alive. And she's like, I sensed that snake near me in the night and killed it with a rock. And she's drawn with... But like, it gave me an idea to fake a death to freak you out so I could read your mind. Yeah. It's like, ah, what an awful thing what to, a conf- to do. What an awful and confusing prank that totally worked. And he looks all super freaked out and she's drawn with like huge, really innocent eyes. Like, yeah. I was just trying to help. I'd be yeah, total... she, she looks like she's about nine years old in that yeah. panel. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird but interesting panel. Yeah. Cool. My favorite is the, uh, the knife duck psychic move. It's on page two of this story. Yeah, one of the hobos throws a switchblade at him. And Lilith is thinking, he can't see that knife. And in this necklock, I can't yell. But he ducks even though he can't see it, and it stabs a dude in the shoulder and goes flying off. And he says, yow! But it's a it's a nice action scene of the kid ducking out of the way of the knife and 
it stabbing another guy and that guy simultaneously losing his grip on Lilith and her ducking out of the necklock. And it's it's really, it's well done. A lot of action. Yeah. Very dynamic. A lot of action, dynamic, but also very concisely conveyed what's happening in it. Mm-hmm. Favorite panel in the main story? I had a couple. Uh, one, page five is, is um, and we touched on this already, is Mal's dropping the uh, the Mujim doll into the Into, into the, the grave. grave. And uh, there's this uh, little shadow drawn under the doll to illustrate he really is just dropping the thing <laughs> yep. in there. Uh, Mal's also wearing a pretty sweet fucking neck cravat in that mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. That's his uh, formal wear. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of sweet cravats going on. I think Speedy's got one, too. Yep. I had... I had my, mine from this story. My favorite panels are Mujum doll related. Mm. Um, I had one so I've got I've got a couple. There's two on page thirteen that I liked a lot. There's one with Robin holding the Mujum doll that they've just dug out from on top of the grave, and Mister J is shining a lantern behind it, and Robin is very solemnly saying to this tiny doll he holds in his hand, "Mujum doll, Mal needs help. Help him." Mm-hmm. And that's really cool looking. Mm. And then the one after that, it says, suddenly, and it's this straw doll, super creepy, suddenly growing to 10 feet tall out of Robin's grasp. And Robin looks super freaked out, understandably so. And really, the silhouette of Mr. Jupiter looks freaked out, which mm-hmm. it, it, I like that a lot. Yeah. It's really creepy. It is. Uh, what, what was your other... Mine is on page 14, and uh, it is titled by me, um, Mujum to the Rescue. Yeah. Is it where he's kicking the dog, or um, when he's attacking the guy? It's a, it's it's the one, yeah, in the middle of the page where there's just so much going on, and he's, yeah, he's no, like, They're all on an ice flow, mm-hmm. and there's ghost dogs attacking Mal, and there's the Mujum, giant Mujum doll lurching towards them, mm-hmm. menacingly. Yep. That's pretty good. The whole sequence there is great. Yeah, well, it's hard to pick one. Yeah, no, those are all really good. I My other Mujum doll, it's the final panel of the story. And it's the Mujum doll. They sat it on top of Hattie's grave instead of burying it again. And it's just sitting there with its legs dangling over the side of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you remember these ads. Do you remember the old Anthony Hardaway sneaker ads with Lil Penny? No. It was the voice of Chris Rock was this claymation doll with pennies for eyes that would hang out with Anthony Hardaway and do his talking for him. Mm. Uh, That's totally what it reminds me of. Just it's this creepy straw doll, but it's just dangling his legs over the edge of Mr. Jupiter's aunt's gravestone, which is already, she was buried like three days ago. And this thing is already like moldy and leaning over. Mm Mm-hmm. He is the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world. He should have a better gravestone for his aunt. But the the captioning in that panel is, Man's inhumanity to man. History is filled with terrifying examples right up to the present day. But sometimes there is help. Like the singed, half-torn-apart straw doll that sits atop a lonely grave in Lichburg Cemetery. Hmm. And that's well done. Although that grave should not be well. Like I said, that should be a cheery, well-maintained grave. It is the aunt of the richest man in the world. Also, that doll is, like, super powerful and magical and everything. Maybe just don't leave a line around. What's going to, like, decompose and stuff. Maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it just wants to hang out. It's over 100 years old. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you have any other favorite panels? 
Uh, nope, that's that's what I had from. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you. Oh, so there was one other thing I did want to bring up. There was an ad in here that I found fascinating. It has Roger Staubach in it, the quarterback, former quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, that was the, the same ad was in the last issue too. That's those the skeet lawn balls. Skeet yeah, balls I don't understand what's happening. It's a thing called Roger's Super Skittle Bowl. Skittle Bowl, that's it. And it's, look, that's Roger Staubach, the famous football star. And he's doing this thing that it looks like tether bowling. Exactly. It's, it's, exactly. it's like a tether ball, but it's a bowling ball that you throw and then it winds around a pole and comes back and knocks over some cylinders. It seems like maybe one of the worst ideas for a game ever. It sounds crazy and super dangerous because I gotta believe that's an actual bowling ball because a professional athlete says he uses this device to stay in shape. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I wonder how many broken shin bones and stuff. It seems like this this would be entirely a device made to break shin bones. Because even regular tetherball, I got taken out by one of yeah. those when I was a kid. It's a dangerous and wonderful game. Mm-hmm. Hit me right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> me I'm out. sorry. It's okay. That is funny, though. Yeah, I, I just... If anybody listening has any experience with Roger Staubach's Super Skittle Bowl tether bowling game, I would love to have some insight on how this worked and if you have any shins left. Or if you're just walking around like Dorf right now. Or maybe we can build one. Oh, we should totally build. Let's build one. Just put it out in the the front for the neighborhood kids to. Yeah, we'd put it out with with. a big set of lawn darts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. So, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. What do you think Aqualad's up to? I put a little bit of thought into it. Really? Not a lot. Okay. Just enough. Okay. So, what I think is that he's he's back at his, his fancy. Boarding school in sure, Scotland. In Scotland. And, yeah. And uh, he's he's done with the whole. He doesn't. He even doesn't remember yep. Nurka. Yep. Doesn't remember murdering that dude. Yep. Nurka McDuff is not even showing up on the radar. Right. But like many college students, and especially since this is in uh, October of 1972, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull is on the all the bestsellers list. Oh yeah. And he is reading the heck out of that book, and he is feeling deep as shit and talking to everybody about it. <laughs> Which, I don't know, you may or may not have experienced that in college also, but that was a I was a big thing. into Robert Anton Wilson when I was in college, and I thought that was deep as shit. Okay. Um, okay. I, I may have actually even been over that by college. That may have been high yeah, school. Yeah, that was, that was high school. That was high school. Yeah. Ah, shit. What did I, what did I think was deep then? You? I, I was super into third wave ska. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Mustard plug. Oh yeah, mustard plug, skank and pickle, oh. perfect thyroid, oh. uh, the toasters. Mm. Oh, gir- I still like that shit. Yeah, I can recognize that it is not probably good music, but I still enjoy it. And also, then in that that fun propagandi song, making fun of all all of that. Yeah, man, propagandi is one that has not aged well for me. So it's it, political content. Yeah, yeah. Oh lyrics. God, it's so fucking it's, juvenile. It doesn't. Sound it was good. No, no. I thought it sounded so awesome. I thought they were so kid. great when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, it's like just like it really plays into kids' teen, teen angst. Uh, yeah, there's there's some fun stuff on the album. It can clean anything, but propagandi has mm. not aged particularly mm. well. So yeah, that's so what, that's what Aqua's up to. <laughs> yeah, reading Jonathan Livingston Siegel and did feeling deep and talking about how you gotta, uh, you know, forgive the uh, the rest of the seagulls that try and hold you down so you can learn to fly, man. And 
just do it. Tight. Yeah. You know what, Corey? You're right. That is what Aqualad is up to. I thought so. <laughs> He's also probably listening to some first wave ska. Probably. Some like uh, Funky Kingston, some mm. Desmond Decker, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah that shit's so much better than third wave ska. Mm. So, on that note, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Corey, uh, where can people get in touch with us? Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Um... Yeah, you were laughing at me last week because I couldn't right off the top of my head immediately it's... name the uh, uh, you the can email address us or the... at ttwasteland at gmail.com. Yes, they can, Corey. And Tumblr, Stitcher, and iTunes, as well as Podomatic. Just search for Teen Titan Wasteland and please leave us your positive feedback. Well done, Corey. Thanks. Eventually. That is way... You could not stop laughing because I paused for like four seconds before I said the email last time. I was quite drunk and it seemed really funny. <laughs> Fair enough. I remember that. I hope that you listeners are quite drunk and that this podcast seemed <laughs> real funny. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back with you next week with another fantastic Teen Titans adventure. There's only a couple left before we move on from the Bob Haney era into the Bob Rosakis run. The The title was canceled for a few years um, in between issues. I think it's 44 and 45. I might be off on those. It might be 43 and 44. But either way, savor this Haney while you can. Because mm. it's fucking rad. Yep. All right. We will see you next week, and it will be like eating a piece of pie that is made out of pie. I will like it. Likewise. And they knew it. Well, where does Scatolites fall in? Because they sound old. They kind of span the gap, I think. They, they? I think they've been around for a while. Yeah, because a lot of their stuff sounds like super old. Mm-hmm. And some of it not. I enjoy their instrumentals. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um... <laughs> <laughs>